0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar, and uh, this is going to be episode 161 of The Informed Catholic. Uh, I'm very happy to do this episode. Uh, What I want to do first is I want to thank you guys for um, I'm starting to see uh, more listens and I'm starting to realize what people want to hear. The episode I did on Amy Coney Barrett uh, not long ago, just last week, was the is the highest one. is even It's gone past the Fatima episode I did on Our Lady of Fatima and her message, and uh, it's even higher than the episode I did on Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So um, this helps me to realize what you guys want to listen to and what you want to hear. So I'm going to do an episode now on her. Uh, a little bit more. I'm going to read a little bit on her biography. And uh, one more thing, please subscribe. And also one more thing you guys can do if anybody wants to do it, although it would be a great help, leave something, uh, a comment, leave a message. uh, Tell me what you would like to hear, make suggestions, uh, what you would like to hear, uh, how I can improve, Uh, That would also be a great help. Uh, Hopefully in the future, I will definitely keep improving. But one thing is subscribe and share. Because if you subscribe and share, this would let them know that you want to hear more um, podcasts like this. And this one would get distributed more. And it would help me a great deal. What I do on this podcast is simply bring you the information. A lot of people don't have time. Um, this earlier today at work, one of my coworkers shocked me. He didn't even know that, uh, Andrew Cuomo actually put COVID patients in elderly homes. He's only, I heard him talking to somebody and he was saying, well, I rather prefer Andrew Cuomo than Trump. But when someone told him what Andrew Cuomo did in the, in the senior citizen homes, the retirement homes, he was completely shocked and flabbergasted. This is a fellow who lives in New York, who lives in New York and doesn't know what's going on. It proves, it proves the point that liberals only listen to their own uh, bias. Now it's true there are some um, you know conservatives that are closed-minded but that's a minority but the point is most people it's interesting there was there was a quote Marxists l- read Marx non-Marxists don't just read Marx but they hear and listen to what he wants to do and they reject him This was something that Ronald Reagan said, I paraphrased his words a little bit, but he actually was quoting because he had he had a staff member who was a Catholic who quoted a pope. And I can't I, I can't oh, I'm sorry, remember the pope's name, but obviously it was a pope that uh, had to wrestle with with the idea of socialism and Marxism. This is the point. You have to open your mind. You have to compare information to information and I learned this a long time ago. Uh, I just I like listening to news. I like listening to opposing sides. And one of the things I decided to do was come up with a podcast. I'm going to bring you Catholic material right now. I know I haven't been doing a lot of spiritual stuff, but the t- but s- since considering what we're going through right now, I think bringing current events seems to be a great help to people. And I want you guys to compare the news to the news. I did one yesterday where I read a Newsweek article. And at the end of the Newsweek article, I wanted to show to you guys that they had to correct everything that that was said, but they didn't take it down. They kept it up. Now, you know there are people that are going to run with it because they hate Amy Coney Barrett and they want to run with that and say, you see, you see, her cult uh, inspired The Handmaid's Tale. She's an intelligent woman. She's a supreme. She's a judge in the Seventh Circuit. Does she look like someone who, who belongs to a, an occult? No. I mean, for crying out I'm listening to an audible book, The Devil and Karl Marx, or Karl Marx and the Devil, one of them. But it turns out Karl Marx was... Um, was a very troubled person you know, a very troubled individual. He wrote a lot about Lucifer and his soul being belonging to the devil. And he circulated among people who seem to have a psych- psychological problem towards religion. A healthy religious attitude is balanced with philosophy. You know, I've been reading the book of Sirach lately and Sirach has so much wisdom and advice. Um, Bear every, uh, every challenge, every trial with joy When what the Lord sends you. Be prepared. If you're going to commit yourself to God, that you will have trials, and you will have to bear these trials without complaint. That requires the individual to be mature. You know, to, instead of always mumbling and grumbling about how, how, how difficult your life is, your life has to follow with prayer and patience and maturity spiritual maturity some people are just not spiritually mature anyway let's begin all right remember to subscribe please so let's start with a prayer in the name of the father son and holy spirit hail mary full of grace the lord is with thee blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb jesus holy mary mother of god pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death amen Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. St. Joseph, Guardian of the Church and Terror of Demons, pray for us. St. Thomas More, pray for us. St. Augustine, pray for us. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. And St. Michael the Archangel, whose feast day today is, pray for us and defend us from evil. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All right, let's begin. I'm going to read to you uh, information on Amy Coney Barrett's background. All right, let's start. Okay, let's begin. Amy Coney Barrett, born 1972, is an American lawyer, jurist, and academic who serves as a circuit judge on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit. President Donald Trump nominated Barrett to the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals on May 8th, 2017 and the Senate confirmed her on October 31st, 2017. Okay. Assumed office November 2nd, 2017 nominated by Donald Trump preceded by John Daniel Tinder. Okay. Personal details. She was born Amy Coney 1972 1972 She's now between the age of 47 and 48. She was born in New Orleans, Louisiana. That's in the United States. Her spouse is Jesse Barrett. She has seven children. Education, Rhodes College, BA. And, and she also went to the University of Notre Dame. Academic background and academic work. Institutions, Notre Dame Law School. Okay, website, Notre Dame Law Biography. Before and while serving on the federal bench, she has been a professor of law at Notre Dame Law School, where she has taught civil procedure, constitutional law, and stat- uh, and statutory interpretation. Eleven months after her confirmation to the Se- Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, Barrett was added to Trump's list of potential Supreme Court nominees. On, on September 26, 2020, Trump nominated Barrett and, uh, to succeed Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the United States Supreme Court. Early education. Amy Coney was born in 1972 in New Orleans, Louisiana. She is the eldest of seven children. She came from a big family with five sisters and a brother. Her father... Michael Coney worked as an attorney for Shell Oil Company, and her mother, Linda, was a high school French teacher. She grew up in Métière, a suburb of New Orleans. Sorry for mispronouncing that. I don't speak French. And graduated from St. Mary's Dominican High School in 1990. After school high school, Barrett went to Rhodes College on a scholarship where she majored in English literature and minored in French. She graduated in 1994 with a Bachelor of Arts Magna Cum laude, and was included into Pi Phi Peda Kappa, That's college stuff. She then studied law at Notre Dame Law School on a full tuition scholarship. She was uh, an executive editor of Notre Dame Law Review, and graduated first in her class in 1997 with a uh, Juris Doctor Summa Cum Laude. All right, my Latin is also weak. All right, career. Clerkship and private practice. After law school, Barrett spent two years as a judicial law clerk First, for Judge Lawrence Silberman of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit from 1997 to 1998. Then for Justice Anton Scalia of the U.S. Supreme Court from 1998 to 1999. From 1999 to 2002, she practiced law at Miller, Cassidy, and uh, Lorca. Lorca, and Lewin in Washington, D.C., which, while she worked there, merged into Baker-Potts based in, based in Houston. While at Baker-Potts, she worked on Bush versus Gore, the lawsuit that grew out of the 2000 United States presidential election, providing research and briefing assistance for Baker-Potts' representation of George W. Bush. All right, teaching and scholarship. Barrett served as a visiting associate professor and John M. Olin Fellow in Law law at George Washington University Law School. For a year before returning to her alma mater, Notre Dame Law School in 2002, at Notre Dame she taught federal courts constitutional law. And statutory interpretation. Barrett was named a professor of law in 2010, and from 2014 to 2017, held the Diane and M. and an M. O. Miller Research Chair of Law. Her scholarship focuses on constitutional law, originalism, statutory interpretation, and stare. Okay. Her academic work has been published in journals such as the Columbia, Cornell, Virginia, Notre Dame, and Texas Law Reviews. I'm sorry if I mispronounced some of those legal terms. Um, I really apologize. At Notre Dame, Barrett received the Distinguished Professor of the Year Award three times from 2011 to 2016. She spoke on constitutional law at Blackstone Legal Fellowship a summer training program for Christian law school students run by Alliance Defending Freedom while serving on the 7th circuit Barrett commuted between Chicago and South Bend continuing to teach a course on statutory interpretation and one on uh, and one on constitutional theory Court of Appeals for the Seventh Court nominated and confirmed. On May 8th, 2017, President Donald Trump nominated Barrett to to the United States of Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit after Judge John Daniel Tinder took senior status. A Senate Judiciary Committee Hearing on her nomination was held on September 6, 2017. During the hearing, Senator Dianne Feinstein questioned Barrett about a law review article Barrett co-wrote in 1998 with Professor John H. Garvey, in which she argued that Catholic judges should, in some cases, recuse themselves from death penalty cases due to their moral objections to the death penalty. The article concluded that the trial judge should recuse herself instead of entering the Order Acts to elaborate on the statements and discuss how you view the issue of faith versus fulfilling the responsibility as a judge today. Barrett said that she had participated in many death penalty appeals while serving as law clerk to Scalia. Adding, my personal church affiliation or my religious belief would not bear on the discharge of my duties as a judge, and it is never appropriate for a judge to impose that judge's personal convictions, whether they arise from faith or anywhere else on law. Barrett emphasized that the article was written in her third year in law school and that she was very much the junior partner in her collaboration and worried that Barrett would not uphold Roe v. Wade given her Catholic beliefs. Feinstein followed Barrett's response by saying the dogma lives loudly within you and that is a concern. The hearing made Barrett popular with religious conservatives Feinstein and other senator question, questioning was criticized by some Republicans and other observers, such as University President John I. Jenkins and Christopher Eisen, Eisengrober, as improper inquiry into a nominee's religious belief that employed an unconstitutional religious test for office. Lambada Legal, an LGBT civil rights organization co-signed a letter with 26 other gay rights organizations opposing Barrett's nomination. The letter expressed doubts about her ability to separate faith from her rulings on LGBT matters. During her Senate hearing, Barrett was questioned about landmark LGBTQ legal procedures such as Aubrey Fell versus Hodges, United States versus Windsor, and Lawrence versus Texas. She said these cases are biding precedents that she intended to faithfully follow if confirmed to the appeals court as required by law. The letter Lambada Legal co signed read simply repeating that she would be bound by Supreme Court president, president does not eliminate, indeed, if uh, if how Professor Barrett would interpret and apply president when faced with the sorts of dilemmas that, in her view, put Catholic judges in a bind. She said nothing about religion. Barrett's nomination was supported by every law clerk she had worked with and all of her 49 faculty colleagues at Notre Dame Law School. 450 former students signed a letter to the Senate Judiciary Committee supporting her nomination. On October 5th, 2017, the Senate Judiciary Committee voted 11 to nine on party lines to recommend Barrett and report her nomination to the full Senate. On October 30th, the Senate in, the Senate invoked uh, invoked by a vote of 54 to 42. If It it confirmed her by a vote of 55 to 43 on October 31st, with three Democrats, Joe Donnelly, Tim Kaine, and Joe uh, Mnuchin voting for her. She received her commission two days later. Baird is the first and only woman to occupy an Indiana seat on the Seventh Circuit Court. Notable cases. Title IX of the Education Amendments of 1972. In Doe versus Purdue University, 928, uh, okay, this is numbers of the file, the court, in a unanimous decision written by Barrett, reinstated a suit brought by a male Purdue University student, John Doe, who had been found guilty of sexual assault by Purdue University, which resulted in a one-year suspension loss of his Navy uh, scholarship and expulsion from the uh, ROTC affecting his ability to pursue his chosen career in the Navy. Doe alleged that the school's Advisory Committee on Equity discriminated against him on the basis of his sex and violated his rights due process by not interviewing the alleged victim, not allowing him to present evidence in his defense, including an erroneous statement that he confessed to some of the alleged assault and appearing to believe the victim instead of the accused without hearing from either party or having even read the investigation report. The court found that Doe had had, uh, adequately alleged that the university deprived him of his occupational liberty without due process. In violation of the Fourteenth Amendment, and had violated his Title IX rights by imposing a punishment infected by sex bias, and and, uh, and remanded to the district court for further proceedings. Immigration. In Cook County, all right, Barrett wrote. Uh, this is a Cook County versus Wolf. Barrett wrote a 40-page dissent from the majority's decision to uphold a preliminary injunction on the Trump administration's controversial uh, public charge rule, which heightened the standard for obtaining a green card. In her dissent, she argued that any non-citizens who disenrolled from the government benefits because of the rule did so due to confusion about the rule itself, rather than rather than from its application, writing that the vast majority of the people subject to the rule are not eligible for government benefits in the first place. Mm-hmm. On the merits, Barrett departed from her colleagues, Diane Wood and Elian Rovner, who held that DHS's interpretation of that provision was unreasonable under uh, Chauvin's Step 2. Barrett would have held that The new rule fell within the the broad scope of discretion granted to the executive by Congress through the Immigration and Nationality Act. The public charge issue is the subject of circuit split. The Second Amendment, in Cantor v. Barr, Barrett descended when the court upheld a law prohibiting convicted nonviolent felons from possessing firearms. The plaintiffs had been convicted of mail fraud. The majority upheld the felony disposition statutes as substantially related to an important government interest in preventing gun violence. In her dissent, Barrett argued that while the government has a legitimate interest in denying gun possessions to felons convicted of violent crimes, there's no evidence that denying guns to nonviolent felons promotes this interest and that the law violates the Second Amendment. Fourth Amendment. The case United the case United States versus Watson, uh, twenty eighteen, involved police responding to an anonymous tip that people were playing with guns in a parking lot. The police arrived and searched the defendant's vehicle. Taking possession of two firearms, the defendant was later charged with being a, a felon in possession of firearm. The district court denied the defendant's motion to suppress on appeals of the Seventh Circuit. In a decision by Barrett, vacated and re, uh, remanded, determining that the police lacked proper uh, probable cause to search the vehicle based solely upon the tip. When no crime was alleged, Barrett distinguished uh, Navarrete v. California and wrote the police were right to respond to the anonymous call by coming to the parking lot to determine what was happening. But determining what was happening and immediately seizing people upon arrival are two different things. And the latter was pr- uh, premature. Watson's case presents a close call, but this one falls on the wrong side of the Fourth Amendment. Other cases, in twenty eighteen, in twenty eighteen, Barrett joined a majority opinion that held that a tract of Illinois wetlands was not subject to protection from real estate development under the Clean Water Act. The case dealt with the Obama administration's expansion of the bodies of water that can be regulated by federal government. In early September twenty twenty, Barrett joined Judge Diane Woods. Opinion against the Illinois Republican Party challenge against Governor J. B. Britzker's COVID nineteen orders. All right, well, that's that's that one there. Let's go to judicial philosophy. All right, judicial philosophy and political views. Barrett identifies as an originalist. She is a constitutional scholar with expertise in statutory interpretation. Rudders described Barrett as a favorite among religious conservatives. Barrett clerked for Justice Anton, Anton Scalia. She has spoken and written of her admiration of his close attention to the text of statutes and praised his adherence to originalism. In 2013, Barrett wrote a Texas Law Review article on the doctrine of stare decisis. Uh, in which she listed seven cases that should be considered supersedents, cases the court would never consider overturning. The list included Brown versus Board of Education and MAP versus Ohio, the, F- the Fourth Amendment on the states, but specifically excluded Roe v. Wade. In explaining why it was excluded, Barrett referenced scholarship agreeing that it, that in order to qualify as superseded, a decision must have widespread support for not only jurists, but politicians and public at large, to the extent of becoming immune to reversal or challenge. She argued that people must trust a ruling's validity to such an extent that the, the matter has been taken off of the court agenda, with lower courts no longer taking challenges to them seriously. Barrett pointed to Planned Parenthood versus Casey as evidence that Roe had not yet attained the the status. Barrett has never ruled directly on abortion, but she did vote to to rehear a a successful challenge to Indiana's parental notification law in 2019 In 2018, she voted against striking down another Indiana law requiring burial or cremation of fetal remains. In both cases, Barrett voted with the minority. The Supreme Court later reinstated the uh, fetal remains law, uh, law, and in July 2020, it ordered a rehearing in the parental notification case. At a 2013 event, Reflecting on the fourth anniversary, Ro- uh, 40th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, she described the decision in Notre Dame magazine, paraphrase, as cre- uh, as creating through a judicial fiat a framework of abortion on demand in a political environment that was already liberalizing abortion regulations state by state. Barrett noted that scholars from both sides of the debate have criticized Roe v. Wade Uh, Wade unsuccessfully creating uh, the political backlash known as colloquially as Roe versus Rage, a, a, a dynamic that has since affected everything from federal and state elections to the federal judicial nomination process. Barrett also remarked that it was very unlikely the court would overturn the core of Roe the fundamental element that the woman has a right to choose abortion will probably stand. The controversy right now is about funding. It's a question of whether abortion will be publicly or privately funded. NPR reported that the, those statements were made before Trump's election and his appointment of Justice Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh, which made the overturning a role more plausible. Barrett. Was critical of John Roberts' majority opinion in National Federation of Independence Businesses versus Seabliss. Roberts' opinion defended the uh, constitutionality of Obamacare's individual mandate. By criticizing it as a tax, Barrett disproved of, his, of this approach, saying Chief Justice Roberts pushed the Affordable Care Act beyond its plausible meaning to save the statute. She signed a letter criticizing the Obama administration's approach to providing employees of religious institutions with birth control coverage and without having the religious institutions pay for it. All right. So um, let's go into personal life. Okay. Personal life. In 1999, Barrett married fellow Notre Dame Law School graduate, Jesse M. Barrett, a partner of South Bank Legal, Ladue, Curran, and and, uh, Cohen, LLC, I hope I pronounced those right, in South Bend, Indiana, and a law professor at the University of Notre Dame Law School. Previously, Jesse Barrett worked as an assistant U.S. attorney for the Northern District of Indiana for 13 years, They live in South Bend and have seven children, two two of whom were adopted from Haiti, one in 2005 and one uh, after the 2010 Haiti earthquake. According to U.S. District Judge Patrick Schiltz, Barrett's youngest biological child was diagnosed with Down syndrome during a parental screening. Barrett is a practicing Catholic and also has been an active participant in about 1,700 strong, uh, tightly knit, interdenominational charismatic Christian parachurch community People of Praise. Funded in South Bend, the self-described ecumenical covenant community is associated with the Catholic Charismatic Renewal Movement, but not formally affiliated with the Catholic Church. Approximately 90% of its members are Catholic, and according to the New York Times, members of the group swear a lifelong lifelong oath of loyalty, called a covenant, to one another, and are assigned and are accountable to personal advisory, called a head for men and a handmaid for women. The group teaches that husbands are the heads of their wives and and should take authority over the family. In 2015, Barrett signed a letter to the Synod on the family and, and said that the Church's teaching on marriage and family are founded on indissoluble co- commitment of a man and a woman. Okay. Uh, according to Politico, Barrett has voted in both Republican and Democratic primaries. Okay. All right. So, um... Let me see here. Okay. in twenty And from 2010 to 2016, Barrett served by appointment to the Chief Justice on the Advisory, advisory Committee for the Federal Rules uh, Applied Procedure. Barrett was a member of the Federalist Society from 2005 to tw- 2006 and from 2014 to 2017. She is a member of the American Law Institute. Okay. So, guys, that was... This was from Wikipedia. I picked it out. Um, I'm sure there's a, probably a lot more. All right. And hold on. Okay. The People of Praise is a network of Christian intention uh, intentional commu- uh, communities as a parachurch apostolate Membership is open to any baptized Christian who affirms the Nestine Creed and agrees to the community's covenant. The majority of its members are Catholic, but Protestants can also join, reflecting the ecumenical nature of the people of praise. It has 22 branches in the United States, and Canada, and the Caribbean, with approximately 1,700 members. It found the Trinity schools, which are aligned with philosophy of classical Christian education the people of praise were formed in 1971 by kevin uh, ranakin and paul de both men were involved in the catholic charismatic renewal okay so charismatic renewal in which pentecostal religious experience such as baptism in the holy spirit speaking in tongues and prophecy are practiced by catholics in its early history, the influence, it influenced the institutional development of the Catholic charismatic movement in the United States and played important roles in national charismatic conferences. People of Praise practice a form of spiritual direction that involves the supervision of a member by a more spiritually mature person called a head. People of Praise maintains that members retain their freedom of conscience, Under such direction, the community, community, like the rest of the Catholic Church, excludes women from leadership positions. It nevertheless encourages women to pursue higher education and employment. People of Praise grew out of the Catholic charismatic renewal, which began in the United States in 1967 and saw Pentecostal religious experience and practice such as baptism of the holy spirit and speaking tongues embraced by members of the catholic church in the early days of the renewal a member of the catholic covenant communities were formed the first major one being the word of god community in 1967 another major covenant community was the mother of god community these covenant communities were influenced by the community com, uh, <laughs> i guess the community itself uh, it's a word I don't use. The 1960s countercultural historical communities typically involved a commitment to at least some degrees of sharing financial resources or regular participation in community gatherings and submission to the direction of the group's designated authorities. Larger communities were often divided into households, which did not always mean members were living in the same house. However, a member of the same household needed to live close enough to each other to share meals, prayer times, and other, other forms of fellowship. Most households were made up of one or two families, but others might be for single men and women. People of Praise was formed by Kevin Rannigan and Paul DeCleese in 1971, South Bend, Indiana. It experienced early growth recruiting from major universities and was especially closely connected to the University of Notre Dame. The group helped develop important institutions for the large, larger Catholic charismatic movement until 1990. The South Bend community was the headquarters for the National Service Committee coordinating body for the for the various catholic charismatic groups it was also the headquarters of the charismatic renewal services a national distribution center for religious books and tapes and published a magazine called new haven new, new heaven i'm sorry new heaven and new earth it would also played a major role in the renewal's annual national conferences by 1987 people of praise had had around 3000 members including children By the end of the 1980s, Catholics were 92% of the membership. Membership of the community also been involved with an international Catholic charismatic renewal services located first in Brussels and later in Rome. They have also worked in ecumenically through participants in the International Charismatic Consul, uh, Consultation, the Charismatic Concerns Committee, the Charismatic Leadership Fellowship, and more. Recently, in Rome, based gathering in, in the Holy Spirit, members also served with Cardinal Joseph, Sunens in, dra- and, uh, in drafting of Milan's documents, one and two, with Father Kellen Macdonald. In the writing of Fanning and Fanning of Flame, Fanning the Flame, these documents have contributed to the articulation and understanding of charismatic renewal, and and, and in its and its place in the Catholic Church, they have also contributed to understanding of how this movement can be understood by members of the Protestant denominations of Christianity. The group has drawn media interest due to Judge Amy Coney Barrett's association with the group numerous media outlets have reported that barrett is a member neither barrett nor people of praise has confirmed or denied reports of her membership well it's it's very interesting it's um i like it it's i mean i think there's nothing bad about it it's just a very conservative christian group people of praise defines itself as ecumenical charismatic covenant community of families and single people who seek to participate in missions of the church, in our time and live our lives commonly, members, uh, members live in their own homes, and sometimes single people will live with an unrelated family. There are some households in which only single men or single women live together. People of praise is not a church; all members of the community simultaneously remain members of the local parishes majority of its members are Catholics, with Lutherans, Anglicans, Methodists, Pentecostals, and non-denominational Christians also re- are, re- are represented. The spirit and purpose of the people of praise state that we will live our lives together as fully as our church permits, with the hope that we may soon attain unity of faith in the fullness of Christ our Lord. Members of the people praise engage in weekly meetings that include religious teachings, scripture readings, witnessing, and prayers. Prayer for those with needs. Local groups may also hold charismatic prayer meetings, and meet for dinner and fellowship and praise and worship. Members also meet in small groups. Uh, anthropologist Thomas Corsordus. Uh, has written that the people of praise is theologically conservative with a hierarchical leadership structure, but it also it also influenced by the um, communitarianism, okay, I finally pronounced it, I think, communitarianism of the nineteen sixties counterculture. Covenant. The people of praise consider itself to be a covenant community. The community considers the covenant when entered into among members to be one of a mutual care and service in spiritual material and financial matters based upon Ignatian spirituality, the spiritual exercises of Ignatius of Loyola, and the covenant is not an oath or a vow. A member is released from it if they believe God is calling them to another way of life. The covenant states, Therefore, we covenant ourselves to live our lives together in Christ our Lord by the power of His Spirit. We agree to be a basic Christian community, to find within our fellowship the essential core of our life in the spirit in worship and the sacraments, spiritual and moral guidance, service and apostolic activity. We accept the order of this community which the Lord is establishing with all its ministry gifts of the Holy Spirit, especially with the foundational ministry gifts of apostles, pastors, prophets, teachers, and evangelists. We agree to obey the direction of the Holy Spirit manifested in and through these ministries. In full harmony with the church, we recognize in the covenant a unique relationship, one to another and between the individual and the community we accept the responsibility for mutual care concern and ministry among ourselves we will serve one another and the community as as a whole in all needs spiritual material financial we agree that the weekly meetings of the community is primary among our commitments and that we will not be absent except for a serious reason membership is open to all baptized christians who believe in the Nessing Creed. These are two stages of membership in the community. Underway all covenant. P pe- underway all covenant. People who are new to the community join as underway members. This stage of membership is meant as a time for people new to the community to freely explore. In consultation with their leadership, whether they belong in the community while a member is underway, he or she actively participates in all aspects of community life. Full membership occurs when one makes a public commitment to the covenant. Members make this pledge by freely, uh, freely after a formation and instruction period that normally lasts three to six years. Wow. Leadership and direction. I mean, there's so much here. Wow. You can, you know, gender roles. I can go on and on, but I think, uh, I think we, we we get it right. I think we do get it, but it's not a. There's nothing bad about it. I mean, I have a friend who belongs to Communal Liberation, and I, you know, I wish I wish I could participate more. I mean, I think belonging to a a Catholic community um, is is a good idea. I think it's a for us Catholics, and I think for many Christians, especially those who take their their faith very seriously and. You know, living in this secular world can sometimes, you know, make you feel lonely. And I have to admit it, it, that is one thing. One does feel extremely lonely and, you know, you feel detached. You you know, even though, like myself, I pray my rosary every day. I've been praying my rosary every day. I've been reading the scriptures more often now than ever before. Like I said, I'm not perfect. Um, but I think you need to develop a good spiritual habit. It's important that you you develop a good spiritual habit, a good habit that is not dry. I think it's very important that we that you do this. For me, it has it has made me you know uh, closer to God, and I need to be close to Him, or else I will stray away. And a lot of the other things are beginning to be, I'm wrestling with with my. Um, usual distractions. Um, I grew up with comic books. You know, I'm beginning to look at it as very distracting and very idle, very pal- paganistic, uh, especially mm-hmm. since the. You know, I, I wanted to become a comic book artist, <laughs> As, you know, and I went to art school, and that hasn't gone the way I wanted to. I paint icons. I haven't been painting lately, and you know, I've been concerned a lot with paying the bills. I've been concerned a lot with, you know, household things. You know, keeping a roof over the head for me and my mom, and a lot of things. You know, you know, you know, uh, it's very financially difficult right now because of the shutdown this this crazy shutdown which is lasting a long time and it's hurting a lot of people hurting a lot of people in my job hurting a lot of my friends a lot of a lot of people are concerned because they have other bills the bills do not stop coming we all know that and unfortunately with some people who i think i understand the seriousness of the covid i understand people who are who are susceptible and fragile towards it. But at the same time, people are hurting financially. Sometimes you wonder which is worse. You know, one affects the other and people are scared. They're scared of the uncertainty. They don't want to fail their families. And I understand that. And I understand that part because the damage is long-term. Um, you know, it's just difficult. I know that there's no easy answer to this. And the only thing you have is prayer to guide you through it, to comfort you, to strengthen you, to, to calm you down, to remove the anxiety, to help you with the anxiety. And you bring all your troubles, you cast your troubles onto the Lord. And I, and I can, and I think I can understand why these movements are very important because we don't live in a Christian society anymore. We live in a post Christian society. And this woman who is now Supreme Court nominee knows how to balance her philosophy, her, um, her ideology, her understanding of the law with her faith. She's like a female Thomas More to me. God bless her. She's a female Thomas More, you know, and I think that's fantastic because Thomas More is one of my heroes because he was a lay person. He was not a priest. He wanted to be a priest. He wanted to be a monk and he chose to be a lawyer and he was a lawyer and a judge and a statesman. And I think that's fantastic. You know, you know, you know, for her, I mean, I wonder if Thomas More plays, you know, the influence of Thomas More plays any role in her life. It it would be great to know about that. Maybe one day we'll hear an interview with her. But anyway, I'm going to end it here. So God bless, and we'll be back together again soon. I hope this was a help. All right? So uh, hopefully I'll get another one done tomorrow. Okay? God bless.